Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. As a small business owner, you are the business, and you know the time you're spending on payroll and HR could be spent in a hundred better ways. Ceridian PowerPay is fast, simple, and intuitive software trusted by over 40,000 Canadian small business owners like you. Automate your HR and payroll processes, keep track of compliance, and pay your people from your desktop or mobile phone. Free up time to focus on what really matters when it comes to your business, and get back to doing what you love with Ceridian PowerPay. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and changemakers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and the lives of those driving the entrepreneurial movement in Canada. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Matt Curtis, and welcome to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. And today we're thrilled to have Priya Chopra on the show. Born and raised in Montreal with an East Indian heritage, Priya Chopra is the founder and CEO of One Milk, Two Sugars, a thriving public relations agency specializing in influencer marketing, social media, and media relations. Under Priya's leadership, One Milk, Two Sugars has grown to include offices in Montreal, Toronto, and New York, offering bespoke communication services to prominent and international lifestyle brands including Nivea, Pfizer, Marriott Hotels, L'Oréal, and more. Priya has been recognized by the Forbes Agency Council, Bloomberg Canada, Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Awards, and the Chamber of Commerce, to name a few recent distinctions. Most recently, Priya was awarded the PR in Canada Women in Communications Award in the Founders category. In addition to being an accomplished business leader and highly sought-after communications professional, Priya is a trilingual and a proud mother of three. Welcome to the show, Priya. Thank you so much for having me. And we're happy to have you. So first things first, before we dive into the conversation today, I want to know, and I want you to share with the audience, what you think the most important thing entrepreneurs can take away from this conversation today? Uh, yeah. Um, well, I'm tempted to, to say many things, uh, but since you've asked for one, something that I want to focus on that I think sometimes gets forgotten about um, amidst responses you would generally get um, is being a first mover. So really, I think the speed in which you execute an idea or a thought is really important. And it's been something that's been critical to our success in terms of the pace in which we uh, develop and sort of believe in our ideas and make them come to life. So that's one thing that I would highly encourage entrepreneurs to think about. And I'd imagine that's something that's, uh, I, I wouldn't say necessarily unique, but it's something that's definitely a necessity, specifically in the PR and communications field as well. 
A hundred percent. Yeah. Cause, uh, if you don't do it first, it doesn't count. Exactly. And you know, if you want to build your brand, I think being a first mover is, is something that will set you apart as well and just being top of mind. So, and just having the advantage of having the skill set, the experience that much longer really helps along the way. Mm-hmm. So kind of building on that then, and, uh, you know, taking that, that approach of being a first mover and being, you know, the first one in the space, the first one to grab the mic, if you will, uh, what inspired you to build a business centered around that? Yeah, I, we started off in communications and, um, servicing mostly PR being our traditional avenue of business, uh, being the core offer. And that was probably a little over 10 years ago. As you and I both know, you working in journalism and me in PR, uh, the industry has evolved tremendously. Um, and it really put me in a position where I had to move fast and I had to reinvent. And to be honest, it was a little bit discouraging because I had built a thriving business in PR. And of course, uh, the industry was dramatically changing um, within a few years time. So it really caused us to sort of rethink our strategy and sort of streamline our services and maybe dive into things that we were never offering before. Um, and that, you know, obviously causes a slew of other things that you need to do, which is, um, you know, hiring the right talent to execute a skill set that might not have been your skill set or your passion. So uh, digital marketing, social media, influencer relations, all of this sort of came um, after uh, we built our PR business. But we were one of the first movers to establish ourselves in that area, at least in our size of business. Um, we started our social division right when Facebook was starting in 2012. So obviously our offer has scaled since then, but it really gave us an advantage over the years. And today, just thinking of where we are, I really think that that was the right move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that leads beautifully into the next thing we uh, we want to discuss as well, which is what are you most proud of so far? If I had to guess based on everything you just said, it would really uh, seem to be you know, being the, being able to go from where you were in a state of uh, of high transition and uh, dive into and, and making this pivot to a uh, changing industry and a changing world along with it. Yeah, I would say that that's still something that, you know, we encounter on a daily basis that I encounter as the owner on a daily basis, really thinking ahead uh, where we want to be and, you know, where we once were. So reinvention is really a common theme that probably will come up again in our conversation. Um, I would say also having remote offices. So I have offices in in different cities in Canada and not actually living in those cities and having them be successful um, and operational and thriving is really something that I'm also equally proud of. Mm, Understandable too. I mean, like, you know, if, if it, if something works, why aren't you going to scale it and why wouldn't you try and spread it as far as you can? Definitely. It sounds easy, but it takes some (laughs) years, but it's definitely very rewarding once you get there. Mm. So that being said, now that uh, now you've kind of achieved that reward uh, that you're at now, what's what's next? What's the next thing on the horizon for you? So we're still fairly new in our expansion in the States. So we are um, expanding our business offer in the U.S. It's, you know, even though North America, you know, we, we consider ourselves sister countries, as you know, um, we are completely different. And also that's uh, no stranger to PR and communications, um, the size of the market, uh, just the nature of business, uh, the talent pool, costs, of course. So really every aspect of doing business in the U.S. is um, very different than, you know, I thought I could basically uh, take the same concept that I did from Montreal to Toronto when we um, recreated that model, but it's not exactly the same thing. So that was the first sort of learning. I thought I could just do the same thing that I did before that worked and try it again in the U.S., Uh, but of course, I guess that was a bit naive. So um, we are in the middle of uh, really getting that off the ground. So that's a new project that we have on the go. 
we just reinvented our whole branding and we're about to launch that. So our website currently is down, but it's going to be having a, a facelift, if you will, and really position us um, at the forefront of almost like an advertising agency, which is something that PR, you know, being now a little bit of a paid medium as well, um, earned versus paid and just branding and messaging and positioning um, being an essential part of what PR is. We have also sort of uh, reinvented our look um, and I'm really excited about that as well. Mm, look at that next question and refine and redoing just comes right up again. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. The common thread in this convo. Exactly. So, uh, kind of let's let's pull on that thread then and uh, and apply it to every uh, every entrepreneur and, and our uh, our audience listening here and say what do you think every entrepreneur needs to know about PR when starting up? Because for for myself personally, I always like to think of it. Um, even if you have this this miracle uh, this miracle product or anything. If you're not able to reach the right people with the right message in the right location, how much is that idea really worth? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. I would say being in PR, I mean, I, I really sometimes I feel that PR is the underdog. Um, I think we often get uh, forgotten about in the marketing matrix. I've worked corporately in PR and I've worked also in marketing. Um, and then obviously having my own agency and working with marketing directors and what have you. So I, I do think for the amount of weight that we pull, we often, you know, are the underdogs, um, in terms of, you know, maybe budget cuts or what, what may come up. But I really think PR is the most authentic um, voice that every brand needs because you can say what you want about yourselves, but you want that third-party endorsement. You want someone else to pay that compliment um, for you. So we really believe in uh, PR as a source of authenticity and credibility, and that's our driving force, and that's something that brands have looked to us for over the years. Mm. And when you're... uh when you're kind of examining and, and kind of looking out, you know, in your space, you know, let's say you wake up and read the equivalent of uh, PR news every day, you plug into your channels and see what's going on in the world. What are some of the more common mistakes uh, you see entrepreneurs making uh, from a PR standpoint? Um, that's a good question. I think that PR is very innate to me. So sometimes I think entrepreneurs don't necessarily know how to sell themselves in a way that a PR professional would put them forward. Um, I think that, you know, there's a lot of um, value in creating proper communication materials, having the most professional photos and, you know, beautiful biography and um, sort of everything related to your business, even as a person, as an entrepreneur, I I think is equally important as your brand. So that's something that we really believe in. And, you know, we practice what we preach. Um, We invest in our own PR. We have someone dedicated to the agency's PR itself, even as a business to business sort of um, entity, uh, we certainly believe that we have to invest in PR to build our business forward. And sometimes I think that entrepreneurs find that difficult to do themselves or, you know, even if they have someone doing that for them um, and it may not be their skill set, I think hiring a PR professional or PR agency, even if you're uh, a service-based business, I think can go a long way. Mm. And I, I completely understand uh, and completely, uh, I, I think I really do agree with you in the sense of like it, one of the most important things is knowing how to sell yourself mm-hmm. because it again comes around to, you know, spreading that uh, that idea that you have and, and spreading that uh, as wide and as far as you can. And But I also think you make a you make an interesting note as well on even if you're something that is like a B2B um, 
you have a B2B relationship, it's even more Mm -hmm. important in some ways too, to really hone in on what it is you're selling because there may not be as large of a market as, you know, direct to consumers where it's not going to be this, it's not going to be, you know, this general thing that everybody goes, oh yeah, I can see how that works. It's more of a, a very hyper targeted thing. So you want to be sure that you're explaining it as clearly and efficiently as possible in a way that only you can. Yeah, of course. And, you know, with brands that are physical, like something that is uh, tangible, there is that notion of a a connection, you know, there can be more of a connection and there could be more of an understanding of what that business is. And I think, you know, the whole notion of uh, sparking emotion and and storytelling and all of those wonderful values we see with, with, um, you know, brands, they can be uh, transmitted to service-based businesses as well. And in fact, just as you said, being so intangible and abstract, it's even all the more reason to do so. Mm. And that's kind of the thing about working in the ether, isn't it? Things just kind of happen. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. So Priya, what, in your opinion, does it take to be a successful entrepreneur? And how have you applied those learnings and those key factors that you're about to identify in scaling up your business? Yes, definitely. I know exactly what I'm going to say here because this was something so profound for me. Um, and I realized it very quickly because I wanted to scale my business. Um, you know, many people do have a business that they're working independently at and they, you know, maybe scaling is not for them. Um, but for me, I realized I did want to expand my business, but the very first thing I had to let go of was my perfectionism. And that was really difficult because I had to um, move quicker. I had to delegate. I had to teach. Um, and the the elements in which, you know, maybe I wanted something done, A, I didn't, you know, have the time to invest that much detail to, you know, dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's in the way that I would have wanted. Um, or maybe, you know, my 10-page report that I wanted ended up being seven uh, just because I was juggling the demands of a growing business. So, That for me was really difficult um, because that level of perfection is sometimes not always necessary. Um, And it sounds a little bit uh, controversial, if you may, but I think it's really important message to get out there that at times you just have to let go just a tad and everybody's level of perfection is different. So for me, that took a lot of years of getting used to and being like, okay, I'm all right with this. I'm okay. I was submitting something that, you know, maybe if I had another hour or two, it would have been better. But, you know, we have to move uh, being a first mover. As I said, time is of the essence in business. So I think that that was something I really had to get used to. And the second thing that sort of leads into that is is teaching a team and growing a team and, and building a brand and transmitting that brand uh, to other people because it's no longer just you, you know, um, in the beginning when, when your clients are calling you directly, um, it's, it's all in your hands. But when they start to call your team and you're developing um, a larger scale business, you have to put a lot of things in place to make this run according to your vision and to your standards. So I think that those two are very, very connected. And for me, uh, were immensely difficult <laughs> to do in the beginning. Um, but I'm thrilled in, in the progress that we've made over the years. Mm. And I, I think that really resonates with me, the note of um, just letting go in a sense of, uh, of kind of perfectionism. And because uh, sometimes it is just more important to just get something done and get it out the door and move on to the next thing. 
Mm-hmm. And as an entrepreneur, I mean, entrepreneurs have to think big picture. So, you know, getting caught up in details, if that's, you know, where you're at, that's definitely not something that's going to help down the road because thinking big is really the the, the role of the entrepreneur. It's, it's really to think um, down the road to forecast large and um, not to get too caught up in minute details. So that sounds to me like it would have been something you'd uh, wish you wish you had known when you first started. <laughs> <laughs> so are there any yeah. other things like that you think that oh, yeah. uh, you think oh, yeah. you'd be like to share? Yeah, yeah, there's so many. Um, one quite recently that I had sort of a moment was, you know, if you're in business and it's stable and you've made it through that hump that everybody says, oh, three years. And, you know, after three years, it's it's like smooth sailing or, or what have you. Um, now I'm into, you know, close to 10 years. And I have to say that it's never short of a challenge. You know, I think that every stage of the business brings new challenges that you have not been exposed to before. And I think that that's been uh, another learning for me, you know, thinking that the business, you know, obviously there's benefits and, you know, it's great that it's stable and it's growing, but there are a lot of other challenges that creep up on you as you're reaching different size and scale. So, um, and that's something that maybe entrepreneurs may not think of in the early days. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, it's, it seems like it's all just part and parcel of leveling up your business as you go forward. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. Hmm. So on one of those notes, too, and I think this would be something that resonates particularly with, uh, with our audience here today, is how have you managed to integrate uh, your business into your family life and your personal life as well? Because I, I think, honestly, that that may be, again, something that... Um, Especially from the start of the entrepreneurial journey, it's uh, it, it can be something that seems so hard or seems something that like, you know, you'll just take care of later or like it'll fall into place later. But what what is your position on um, on entrepreneurs and and spending time and making, you know, adequate time for work life balance and work life and family balance? Uh, and is it something that you recommend entrepreneurs do and build into their business from day one? I highly recommend it. Um, I think I'm living proof that it's possible. I started my business and I just had my first child and I've had three kids since and it's all been through scaling the business. Uh, I had an employee of mine, a past employee actually a few days ago, send me a photo of my second born son who's only a month and a half old sitting beside her desk. She found an old photo, you know, of working uh, with me and she says, oh, look what I just found. And And I remember those days of bringing my kids to the office when they were only a few weeks old and having to leave them maybe you know, so it's really been my reality. And uh, with every uh, child I've had, I've had so much success with my business. So I kind of use the same philosophy as I do in entrepreneurship. It's risk taking. I mean, there's never a perfect time in <laughs> there's, you know, a chance you have to take. And I don't I haven't thought about it that much. I mean, it's just been something that I adapt to and you have to be really adaptable as an entrepreneur. So it's all of those qualities um, that I think go into parenting as well. And um, there's never that perfect moment. So I think that work-life balance is something that has to be a priority for somebody. For me, it's always been, I've always been able to carve out uh, time for myself as well as my family, as well as my business and very cognizant of that. Of course, I know what that means. There's sacrifices, you know, to the business. If, you know, I want to pick up my kids uh, one afternoon earlier, or, you know, if I don't work in the evenings, I choose not to. So I recognize uh, that that may change the pace um, of my, my scaling of my business, but I'm okay with that because it makes me more complete and more fulfilled as an entrepreneur. And that uh, leads beautifully into the next question, which is um, the question of mental health uh, in the entrepreneurship community in general. I mean, like, you know, you can 
you put those three words into any you know search and any search engine anywhere and you'll get reams of things coming up mm-hmm. and uh, I find that um, it's so often talked about as a problem with uh, with you know little kind of kind of guidance or direction on what actually to do about it so what in your experience uh, would you share with the audience for keeping mentally well during some of the most demanding periods that you've been through mm-hmm. Um Well, first of all, I think it's really important to be part of a workplace that is extremely positive and collaborative. I knew that I wanted to build a business that was sort of anti-corporate and um, had a very relaxed vibe. I mean, you know, we don't have a very staunch dress code. Um, We operate like a family. Uh, We're extremely understanding. We have a host of benefits for flex time for parents. We have extended maternity leaves. Uh, We have work remote. So, you know, we know that people have lives uh, outside of work. And I try to be cognizant of that every day and and, in the practices that we implement with our business, uh, because that's certainly an environment in which I would thrive and, you know, wish I wished I had when I was working um, corporately. Uh, In terms of mental health, I think it's beyond our entrepreneurs, I think it's, uh, you know, whether you work corporately or you work as an entrepreneur in any field, I think mental health is certainly um, a tremendous issue. I think that we have to be um, mindful of balance in terms of the pace in which we are working. Um, And, you know, obviously it doesn't help with the instantaneous um, nature in which we get emails or being, um, you know, obviously feeling compelled to reply at all hours. So we've been pretty um, explicit about, you know, work hours and what our norms and our practices are. And I would definitely encourage people to seek out the same, you know, in their uh, workplaces. For me, what's been my sanity is um, very simple. I start my day with a workout and I have done this religiously since I was 15 years old. And I have not stopped through children and through having a business. And for me, that uh, it's it's much more of a mental um, thing than a physical thing. So for me, that's my release. And that's something that I'm very committed to. And it's been uh, extremely helpful and it keeps me on course. Yeah, I, I completely 100% identify with that. I mean, I've, uh, I've recently taken up... Um, uh, martial arts again for the uh, for the first time in uh, on and off. I, I've been doing it for the past few years, but this is the first time I'm committing to it uh, very heavily once again. And it's it's been such a uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's you know it's my happy place. That's that's exactly what it is, and I think that's it's it's so much a, a piece of even in a, a different sense as well. Exactly. Kind of completing exactly. that cycle of stress that you can get in a day, you, you know, because again, like. If your body's flushed with all these stress and cortisol hormones, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not enough of to course, go home you have and to get that sit out. there and watch Exactly. Netflix. It's that good endorphin You have to release. get that out. And, you know, if it's not something that's possible um, for, for oneself, I think that even just giving yourself uh, maybe a 10-minute break every little while, every hour or so, you know, getting up, walking, you know, just refreshing your mind and not being so bogged down behind the, the, the computer. So I think that that as well should be highly encouraged in a workplace. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, I think one other thing I, I kind of want to one other thread I want to pull on from that uh, that answer too is this this feeling of mm-hmm. understanding that there is a a pace that uh, is is healthy to mm-hmm. go forward at, and there's a pace to work at that um, and and it's because it's it's mm-hmm. very very common in the startup scene to always feel like you're behind on everything mm-hmm. and needing to work so much so fast so far ahead. And, you know, get that, you know, set and wrapped, you know, months in advance. 
in your reality, is it actually like that? Is that something you'd recommend? I mean, that's something that I've always been sort of on my own path and always on my own pace. And I, I don't really benchmark myself against anyone else. And it, I think that's a trait that maybe a lot of other entrepreneurs may share too, uh, carving out something, you know, of their own. Um, so I think that one's pace is different. And, you know, for me being a, a family person, I think that that's something I'm very, very cognizant of um, and I'm okay with. And I think it comes with time. Uh, I can't say I was like this in the, in the first year or the two, first maybe three years of the business. I remember doing a lot of late nights. Um, but, you know, with family and kids and other responsibilities, it simply is impossible. So, you know, they kind of forced me to get that balance, you know, whether I wanted to or not. Um, but I think that, you know, recognizing that that's okay. Um, and the more we talk about that, and, you know, actually there was a podcast I was listening to earlier exactly about pace. Um, and it was recommended to me by, by one of my employees. So, you know, I think that that's something that we should speak about more and we should be okay with. And even when we give deadlines within our company, um, and even if a client imposes a deadline, I think that we're okay with saying, you know, we need a bit more time or, you know, to be realistic. So I think that we have to, um, we have to vocalize that. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And it's, it's something I'm, uh, I'm on board with 100%. Mm-hmm. So this year, Startup Canada, we're, we're moving to try and champion entrepreneurs to consider their social and environmental impact in all areas of their business. Have you managed to integrate uh, anything like that in yours? And if so, how? Yeah, definitely. Actually, we are looking to become B Corp certified. Um, so it's oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to be quite the process. But we've started um, looking into that. And you know, in the PR business, there is uh, the notion of a lot of waste. Um, you know, with packages that go out or, you know, the wow effect that you want to impress a journalist or an influencer or what have you. So a lot of brands are getting a lot of backlash and PR professionals have a responsibility in that because we are the ones that are sort of uh, creating these campaigns. So something that we have decided to do, um, and it's small, it's, it started off really, really as small measures, but, you know, we keep advancing, um, on our steps, you know, first we, we host a lot of events. So, you know, we decided that we would remove all a notion of water bottles, um, from any of our events events and obviously in all of our offices um, as well. Then it came down to um, packages that we were sending out. So we decided to spend a little bit more on the agency and have um, sort of a bags that are reusable. And they're they're quite trendy and they're quite nice and people actually like them. So we said, you know what, let's ha- offer these reusable bags, you know, when we send out packages and have, you know, have them use it for other purposes. Um, now this year we've evolved into compostable. So we have these mailers that we package out and, and you know, everybody certainly really appreciates getting these and it gives you instructions exactly how to compost. Um, this packaging. So we've moved towards that. I think um, another thing that we've been doing a lot is supporting various charities uh, for Christmas, for example, instead of sending gifts that you know, certainly a lot of people get enough uh, gifts during Christmas time, especially from client, you know, the client agency relationship. For us, we've been doing donations. So this year we planted trees. Last year we supported Oceana, which supports the world's oceans. Um, so we're doing a number of measures in that effect and uh, trying to reduce our own ecological footprint and just being conscious of the small things that we are doing that can make a difference. Mm. It seems like really, in, instead of um, instead of making like a, a massive overhaul, and again, this is this is I, I feel something that's connected with the industry you work in. Um, I find honestly that uh, it, depending on the nature of the business, sometimes it's not this approach where it's like, you know, 
oh my god we have to completely tear down this whole thing and mm-hmm. like build it up from the ground again mm-hmm. it's, it's more like you know popping the uh popping the hood up on on your business and just going like okay what are some tweaks in exactly. here that we can that we can do to just you know move things along at a at a gradual pace that not only will um help like mm-hmm. that that their own individual impacts will again create this wholer and fuller picture of a business that is uh, that is doing more for the world than uh, than working towards its own bottom line a hundred percent and i think having you know a few champions within the company too to make sure that that's always sort of an always on and um you know sort of topic of discussion that's something that we have we have a we forged a green committee and we have several people that are um very invested in this so i think it really helps to have a few people that are sort of supporting this and of course becoming b corp is quite a um initiative as well so you know just having that support can can really be helpful but i think when it comes from you know all individuals across the company from top to bottom i think it's really certainly something that is uh, going to be embraced well if everybody you work with is lighting a fire under your seat it's going to get start to get hot pretty quick <laughs> exactly <laughs> this year we've also tried to encourage entrepreneurs to go global how have you tapped into the global market and what have been your biggest learnings and uh, pieces of advice you think you could share with our audience? Yeah, so for us, um, as I was telling you, we uh, decided to expand into the U.S. and that was our uh, foray into another into an international market. Um, it was something that came really organically um, because we had Canadian clients that were we were servicing for Canada. And once they, you know, well, first we got a, we received a lot of requests if we were working as well in the U.S. because it would be helpful to hire one agency for Canada and the U.S. We weren't there yet, and again, my pace, you know, I was cognizant of my pace and and venturing into something that I wasn't maybe prepared for at that time. Um, and then it just started to happen organically, and you know, we we started to, um, I guess, export our business in the states, and um, it's been quite wonderful because there's a number of programs. Um, that support female entrepreneurs in particular, um, especially, you know, since we're so few entrepreneurs that are female and then the ones that export are even less. I think it's something like 8% of all Canadian um, small business owners um, that are female that are exporting. So there are a number of programs. Um, EDC is, is, is a great example. Export Development Canada has a number of programs as well to help yeah, yeah, they, they're really, really helpful. And, um, you know, so just getting awareness on how to do that and how to uh, register the business, um, obviously the fiscality of the business, um, and then just the whole structure, how to change the structure of the, the, the holding company or, you know, the parent company to make that all happen. Um, so there's quite a bit of learning that goes into it. But, you know, we have been thinking not just about the U.S., but why not? globally with the world just being so connected than it ever was before uh we also Mm -hmm. have clients that for example are online businesses which we know you know dtc direct to consumer businesses you know for them the the world is their oyster i mean their their market is international so even on our communication standpoint we currently have some clients that are asking us to um, reach out to outlets that could be in europe or could be in the middle east or you know could be in the u.s so that has also necessitated um, the need to think and um, be more global in our approach. Mm. And I think, again, like one one thing that, that really stood out uh, to me from that answer from you was that that notion of, again, you bringing up your pace again and uh, just that that 
foresight to have the restraint to know that this isn't something that currently we're ready for and currently we're not ready to take on, Mm -hmm. but also trusting in the business and saying that when the time is right, things will fall into place. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's a funny thing and everybody, people come to know it. I always say it's the Priya pace and then, you know, Priya being my name and then Priya pace, because I say it's, it's maybe not what you'd expect. You know, it's maybe my own pace and, you know, maybe you ask me how that plan is going and it hasn't advanced and I'm okay with that because it's certainly not because I'm not busy. I mean, there's other things going on and there's other priorities and there's only a certain amount of hours in the day. So for me, it means that we will get to it and it's going to happen when the time is right. So Priya, as we wrap up our conversation today, I want to know what's the most actionable piece of advice entrepreneurs could take from this conversation and implement in their businesses immediately? Yeah, definitely. I think that um, I always have this expression and I always say, if you plant the seeds, the flower is going to grow. So um, it's all about believing in the process and believing in yourself and knowing that you are doing uh, something that will lend itself to the result that you want. And there's no other way around it. I mean, you plant the seeds, the flower will bloom. So you have to obviously take care of it. You have to foster, you have to give it, um, you know, all the bounty. But in terms of the belief in yourself and knowing that the progress um, will lead to something. So that blind faith, I think is very important. And then again, you know, just to kind of restate some of the things we've talked about, I think that it takes time. I mean, that that's something that a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, may think otherwise, but it's a really long road. And I think that, um, you know, for me, it's always been about slow and steady and I've been okay with that. I've just been consistent, um, every day and doing my maximum and being content with that. I think that, you know, growing explosively, um, can be detrimental to a lot of businesses. And we've seen when certain businesses scale too quickly, you know, from the outside, it may seem that things are great and, you know, they're expanding from coast to coast, but, you know, to be able to sustain growth, um, is a tricky thing. And that's something that, you know, um, I've learned a great deal about as I've scaled my business. Uh, it comes down to all kinds of aspects that you wouldn't necessarily think about. So I think that being slow and steady and consistent can, it sounds a bit boring, but certainly in my books, it has a lot of virtue. Mm. And I think, again, with that being an approach that may fly in the face of what people, you know, commonly associate going on with entrepreneurship, I think uh, that advice and experience from somebody who's lived it and done it is something that should take uh, all the more uh, presence at center stage in addition to the fact that it goes, again, what the uh, the kind of common perception is, too. So, Priya, oh, go ahead. So Priya, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, want to learn more about you and your business, how would they go about doing that? So you can find us on a few places um, online. You'll find us at thesugars.ca, and that is a new website that's going to be launching very, very soon. I'm super excited about that. And then as well on our Instagram, which is One Milk Two Sugars, or on our Facebook or LinkedIn, One Milk Two Sugars PR. Awesome. Priya, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today, for uh, taking the time to share your wisdom, your expertise, your thoughts, and your experience as an entrepreneur in Canada. And we look forward to seeing everything that uh, One Milk, Two Sugars gets up to in the future. Thank you so much. It was a lovely conversation. My pleasure. Keep stirring the cup. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Priya. Bye-bye.
Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Until next week, I'm your host, Matt Curtis. Go check out the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag startup chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. 